welcome to the executive brain focused on the self-actualization of today's executive leaders through science and stories i'm your host grinnell connor This episode is a continuation of our first segment, Techniques from Coaches. Our last episode was focused on neuroscience and consciousness in the executive leader. This episode focuses more on biological output, emotional intelligence, and intentionality. Bradley Sue is a licensed psychologist as well as a consultant for several behavioral health apps. He is an expert in human performance and optimization and accelerates executive leadership through his training in executive coaching, nutrition, biofeedback, and neurofeedback. Brad, I'm grateful to have you join us on Executive Brain. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk today. Excellent. Great. So one of the concentrations that you have is uh, biofeedback as well as neurofeedback. So these sound like quite scary science words. Can you help simplify this for us? Yes, I can, I can do that. You know, biofeedback has been around for many, many years. And what biofeedback is, first of all, is a tool by the use of technology in which we generally take unnoticed and imperceptible signals from the body and bring them into a person's awareness. Examples of this could be heart rate and heart rate monitoring, temperature feedback, muscle tension, Hmm. and breathing and, and respiration. So the body is letting out all these signals, but we're not really paying attention to it. And the signals that the body is letting out inform us as to our current states, our current arousal level. And all that's good information for us to capture. Right, so this sounds like um, biofeedback. What about neuro? The category of neurofeedback falls under biofeedback. So all Mm. of neurofeedback is biofeedback because biofeedback is the the large category. With neurofeedback, what we're doing is monitoring and measuring brain EEG okay that is the the electrical signals that the brain puts out when the neurons fire it it releases a a wave that can be measured with medical grade devices so it's a little bit more complicated because it requires more specific devices mm-hmm. and less available devices. It could be medical grade equipment that that could cost uh, you know thousands of dollars. Right, right. So I'm picturing neurofeedback here as a EEG machine or sensors on your head or even something like an MRI machine, which is quite large. But then biofeedback, we can get heart rate, muscle tension, sweat. Um, pulse and this is something that even today we have wearable technologies for this right apple watch uh, we have samsung watches uh, different devices such as this yeah that that's right a lot of these wearable technologies are becoming widely available you mentioned them and fitbit is another example right 
there's a, a company that I'm involved with called Arrow Health. I'm helping evaluate their product. And what that is is that it's a wrist-worn device which measures heart rate variability. But the unique feature about this watch that nobody else has right now is that it provides haptic feedback, so it causes a buzz or a vibration. Now, with measuring heart rate variability, it's observing the autonomic nervous system. So when there's a sympathetic arousal, so basically when someone is stressed or tense, the device will pick up on it and send feedback to the user in, in forms of vibration, informing them, you're stressed right now. What's happening? Pay attention to that. Do you need to change your state? Do you need to change your arousal level to to increase performance and maybe in some cases decrease anxiety? Wow, this is great. So uh, it sounds like we have an advantage in comparison to the previous generations and eras before due to our technology, due to our innovation, the access that we have in the data of understanding our bodies, understanding ourselves, understanding our biology, it is unprecedented. And this brings me to my next question is, how do you use this technology with top-level management? Yeah, well, this technology is used to ultimately bring awareness to the executive, to the, the, the chief. This helps ultimately get them to become more sensitive to their performance. So what I'm mm-hmm. trying to do is optimize them, optimize their performance. With biological yeah. data. Yeah, first with biological data, getting them more sensitive to to their physiological responses. What's actually them, happening. What's actually happening. What's their body saying to them. Right? And the interesting thing is that this almost parallels all of my work. Now, the, the use of biofeedback and neurofeedback is only a small segment, but the, the larger picture is almost in everything that I do, I am helping the executive come to greater awareness. And the greater awareness is awareness of, of their, their physiology, awareness of their mental states. And part of the reasons why awareness is so important is because every part of their leadership, every part of their communication is funneled through their nervous system. And if right. the nervous system isn't operating optimally okay, on one end, they're not going to execute the, the way they expect to or want to. If their nervous system is stressed out, then the same thing occurs. They're not executing or communicating in the way that they're wanting, wanting to. So ultimately, I think my work is about bringing awareness on all different levels, not just the physiological level. So here's a here's a difficult question for you then. So are you finding links between leaders with greater sense of awareness and self, greater sense of clarity to the bio and neuro data that they are eliciting? Just in general, in, in, a, in a now take this to be a real broad perspective, leaders with greater amounts of self-awareness are more successful. Wow. How do you measure that? How are you finding that? Yeah, now this is not any research I've done. This is just stuff that's published out there. 
and it's widely available. And, and Forbes as a, as a magazine, and they have a website. They're constantly publishing things about how executive success is really tied in to their emotional awareness. Hmm. More EQ, so emotional awareness is defined as EQ, so that's emotional intelligence. There's a lot of research that's been uh, already published around people who have greater emotional competency are able to handle change better, able to work better in teams. Flexibility. Yeah, exactly able to lead better. This is great. Research says that uh, executives who are strongest in emotional intelligence are more likely to succeed than those who are strong in IQ. So what they're saying is that those higher in EQ are more successful than just people who are more bright. I see. Right. So with the executive, with high level management, top level management, much is going on in the atmosphere with teams, with the business, with with the economics around us, with the corporate workspace. It sounds to me like the better a leader understands her own geography and the coordinates of her own self mapping, the more balanced she is within all of this noise of the outside, within all these distractions and within all this havoc. It keeps her in tune is is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, completely, completely. There's a signal to noise ratio. Now we know signal to noise ratio when you know when they talk about music or stereos or radio stations, you know, how much signal do we get compared to how much static there is? Hmm. Um, now we're starting to really pay attention to the inner signal to noise ratio. How much internal noise is there when it comes to an executive executing on on a particular plan. So the signal to noise indicates to me the better the clarity is of the self, of the executive, the higher the potential for a better biological response even within the the noise that is around us constantly. And if you are able to do really well with understanding your bio responses and understanding yourself and constantly practicing your EI, it influences a healthy feedback loop, better clarity, better biology, but we cannot avoid the tumultuousness of the world. Our workspace, our team, our boss, our demands, our shareholders, it's always around us. Our bio system, with a better ability to regulate it, we are in a better place. So in a sense, we're kind of like a computer in a funny way, like a mainframe. We always need a healthy programming of ourselves in order to perform. That's that's totally right. I, I can't agree more. When someone's emotionally elevated maybe their autonomic nervous system is heightened and they're not aware of it then what's happening is that they're leading that way that's where greater emotional awareness creates their ability to execute more expertly and then bringing it and swinging it towards intentionality what we want to do is create that on a daily basis now people don't just generally become more emotionally aware and people don't generally just become more intentional but they do it out of daily practice 
daily practice. The opposite, you know, we call that reactive living. For the most part, what we do generally, high-level manager or even any person in this modern society, if you have a smartphone, you're generally using it as an alarm. And the first thing that a person does, if if you're a high-level manager or executive, you're going to start checking your emails. What fires are happening? What's going on with the overseas uh, um, production? What's going on with the remote team? Is there something going on? So they're starting to put out fires. So generally, they're starting to react to their day. And it feels productive because they're accomplishing work. They're doing real work. But what's happening is that they're reacting in relation, whether it's work-related or social media-related, is people are starting their day reacting to other people. In a nutshell, is when a person picks up their phone, they are on other people's agenda, not Mm. their own agenda. Right. So I love analogies, and I drew one up in your explanation with all of this. And I picture a, a desert the goal is to get to the other side of the desert or through the desert. But as I'm going through this desert, I keep stepping into quicksand. And the quicksand is slowing me down to the eventual goal of getting through the desert. And I'm becoming too busy, too tied up with quicksand when I should be looking at the larger picture. That's exactly right. The quicksand example is great because as you're going through the desert, we're talking about navigating terrain right observing for for pitfalls and when a person is in quicksand or let's say mud it's slowing them down they're doing the work but we feel like we're working hard right we feel like we're working hard and the harder we work the more productive we feel but progress isn't made So what is the opposite of reactive living is intentional living. And what's a leader supposed to do these days? What is what is the skills of a leader is to execute vision, to communicate vision, to inspire a culture. And that's all things that a leader leader should be doing. In addition to that, they're they're creating for the future and planning for the future. But if they're spending a lot of time reacting, not creating then what's happening, the creation, the inspiring of a culture, communicating vision gets put on a back burner Mm. and they start putting out fires. Now, is putting out fires important? It's absolutely necessary. But the thing is, is that when we wake up, the most clear period of time in everyone's day is the few hours they have when they wake up. Their mind is the most fresh. They have the most clarity. They're so well rested, and to use that best parts of their day to take care of other people's agendas, that is a loss of, of real effective time. Right. So something I heard a lot in my bachelor's and master's was practice makes perfect is actually not the way to think about it. I heard so many times with my psychology professors, practice makes proficient. And this optimization is something to practice. It is something to practice optimizing yourself every day. That's what I love about this idea is that it's not something you will achieve. You cannot fully achieve every day 100% high 
optimism at full rate. It's something to practice each day. I I completely I completely agree, and I do totally subscribe to practice makes proficient. And in, in in the way I say it is, practice makes progress. But oftentimes, just to provide more clarity, is that we end up spending more time practicing things that we feel like it works. Mm-hmm. But we just end up instead of ending up creating systems, we end up adjusting to systems. Hmm. Yeah, and you also brought up this idea that the best leaders are actually the best leaders of leading herself and the one who is able to lead herself the best in turn will be the best leader and i said you know what this is this is just a a lesson that we've known for thousands of years it's not anything new you could hear it in old scriptures this idea about being a great self leader being a great self innovator yeah, that's exactly right. And that's what I love to think about and, and help people get to leadership first starts with self-leadership. Okay, We want to lead other people. That's part of our role. There's a lot of value in that and leading a company. But the best leaders are people who lead themselves. And in, in the Valley, we all want innovation. Everyone talks about innovation, making disruptive change. But I really think that disruptive change starts with self-innovation, innovating yourself Right. I think we we spoke before and you mentioned how a lot of leaders, a lot of people who are committed to their work show they are committed. They don't go home early. They are at a startup. They are trying to drive a company to become public and they are just working so hard. But then you said in the same way, self-awareness works that way where you are to be committed to yourself and be a listener of yourself and a listener to others. So I have a very curious question for you. Let's say we're at a brunch and we're having a couple mimosas and we're at the table with executives. What's something that we can say to them? They're, they're intrigued. They're leaning in uh, at this conversation. And what's something that we can say to them, points that they can take away? Creating optimal habits, optimal routines, and when we create optimal routines, we create the ability to repeat greatness. Mm, okay? That's a great we, one. Yeah, we have this ability to, to set up all parts of our environment to support getting things done, communicating expertly, executing epic disruption, engaging with a coach. And what coaches can do is help really create targeted change. And we talk about practice makes progress, but practicing what? What skills is a person going to practice? They have to dissect for themselves what is it for them that, that would create the best and most impactful change. Coaches can help with that, creating targeted change. I think those are all wonderful tips. We're, we're living in a time where we're more distracted than ever before. We need to relearn what it's like to pay attention to ourselves. Well, the good news is it seems like the aspect of coaching, the aspect of even therapy and 
expanding self-awareness for executive leaders, for management, for companies, it's becoming more and more destigmatized, and that's that's great news. And leading into that, when it comes into the aspect of greater intentionality and being a better and higher optimal version of ourselves, how do we help more leaders adopt this practice? How do we convince them that there is a healthier way that does not mean their stock price has to drop? It does not mean that they have to quit their job or or their dream of having a company go public. But how do we convince them that this practice of being optimal, being better listeners, being more present with themselves around others, how can we scale this? Well, podcasts like this uh, is, is I, I think, a really great resource. And podcasts is revolutionizing the way people receive information and is revolutionizing how people are learning. So I think the work that you're doing, Grinnell, and putting this out there and making it free for people is, is a wonderful way. The word is out there and it's spreading slowly that coaching is now becoming a very sought after thing. And it's not something that had the previous the previous stigma was that when people were failing as a manager, the executive team hired a coach to help remediate these managers. Coaching, the definition of coaching is really shifting and it's being embraced as a way to level up. Yes, it seems like we're becoming more proactive about it rather than reactive about it, where someone gets coaching because of being a problem, but rather someone's getting coaching only because, hey, this is a great way to improve and get better. Yeah, yeah. Life is a series of of coaches. And we, we, we stop thinking about it because when we first started as you know, in grade school or preschool, those are all just teachers and leaders and people who are examples, examples to us. And then we went to grade school and then high school, and then maybe we were involved with with sports and even college sports. And we had college professors, maybe graduate school. And these are all uh, just a series of one coach, a sports coach, a, a, a teacher, and then you get into the workforce and maybe if you're lucky you you have a mentor okay and you'd have to be pretty lucky to have a good mentor that's right after yeah yeah and then after that you know if you've you know created a startup if you are a a ceo then all of a sudden the coaching stops once a person enters the workforce so life is a series of coaching yes well i will take those words Life is certainly a series of coaching. You can get in touch with Brad through LinkedIn. That's Bradley S-I-U Sue. Remember to go on executivebrain.com. That's executive-brain.com. Like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. There you will also see that I will be hosting a free live Q&A session next week. I will be open to answer any questions about psychology, coaching, or any curiosities you may have about Executive Brain. Peace and be good.